The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. Thanks for joining us today to learn more about the outlook for tech stocks. This year's stock market rally has been driven by a few big tech stocks, as Barron's reported this morning. But that doesn't mean all is well in the tech universe. Eric Savitz, Barron's Associate Editor for Technology, joins me this morning to discuss the best opportunities and the biggest risks in the sector. We'll be taking audience questions toward the end of the call, so please type them in the chat box as we're talking. Welcome, Eric. Great hey, to Lauren. be you on nice Barron's time. Live as today's Glad to guest. Do it. Glad to do it. Good, good, good. So let's start by looking back at the market's first quarter performance. Seven big tech stocks. We're talking about Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, NVIDIA, Tesla, and Meta platforms drove the S&P 500's gains in the quarter. They rallied almost 20% on average, while the market rose about 7%. My question is, was the tech rally driven by industry fundamentals or by macroeconomic news? How do we interpret it? So several, there's, there's a bunch of things going on at the same time. One is these stocks were terrible performers in 2022. So they, sure. they were primed for recovery, right? Um, quite a few of these stocks were down 50% um, or more. Um, so there was, uh, these were stocks that, that were uh, kind of due for a rebound in any case. And then several things have happened at once. One is the market has kind of come to a conclusion that the Federal Reserve is almost done with its tightening cycle. We don't know exactly how many more interest rate hikes there might be, but the, the view is generally that they're they're more towards the end than the beginning of this process, and that's been largely confirmed um, in uh, with with and pretty close to the end, as you said, pretty close to not right. So, um, and keep in mind that one of the major reasons that tech stocks performed so badly last year was the tightening cycle. Higher interest rates tend to be bad for technology shares generally for high growth companies for high multiple stocks and so um so the idea that the fed's almost done and you know at some point maybe even loosens credit a little maybe not this year maybe early next year but there's sort of this view that that uh that particular headwind has been removed and people are getting excited about the potential uh for a, a better environment for tech stocks so that's one element another element is that you've, um, as Mark Zuckerberg puts it, this is the year of efficiency. Uh, so most of these companies that you've mentioned and many other tech companies have been reducing costs in the form mostly of headcount reduction, uh, but other things as well. So if you think about Meta, which has been one of the star uh, kind of standout performers of about, I don't know, 80% or so year to date, um, has largely been driven by um, massive job cuts. They've announced right. two rounds of job cuts, 11,000, and then a quarter later, 10,000. Um, you know, if you go back and listen to their last earnings call, Mark Zuckerberg could not stop saying the word efficiency. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and in addition, the other thing that they announced was 
they're reducing their spending plans. Um, and the, the way the market has translated that, translated that, and for good reason, is it implies higher profitability. Now, it doesn't imply growth, right? So Meta, um, which is a few weeks out from reporting earnings, is going to have zero growth or less in the quarter. The street's looking for a couple percentage point decline. Um, the same is true for Apple, uh, which is likely to have a, a, reven a year over year revenue decline of about 4% in the quarter. Um, so the fundamentals- What does it say about the tech sector, Eric, if, if the giants of the industry are not growing anymore? Well, so here's the thing. I think that the view on the street at the moment seems to be this is a temporary problem, okay. and, and, right? So, so like if you think about it a little more granularly about like why is this what happened, right? So one thing that's happened is PC demand, which soared during the pandemic, has kind of collapsed because everyone bought new PCs. They were all living at home and like you know we're going to school from home. So PC demand has kind of collapsed. That's trickled through to semiconductor stocks and uh, software stocks, various other players who rely on the PC market. Smartphone sales have been a little better than that, but not much. They're, they've been declining too. And for some of the same reasons, um, the market's kind of saturated. The last um, Apple iPhone cycle, uh, Apple uh, iPhone 14, looked a lot like iPhone 13. Like it, I think a lot of people weren't inclined to uh, buy them uh, given how little improvement there was. And given uh, an environment of kind of punk um, consumer sales behavior right now. Um, so you've got a, a bunch of reasons that uh, the, the numbers, like I actually think Q1 numbers are not going to be too great. I mean, the, uh, you know, the environment is a rough one. People, a lot of people have lost jobs. Demand for a lot of tech goods is kind of soft. Um, and then I'll give you one other example, uh, which is one of the, fastest growing parts of the tech uh, landscape, cloud computing is decelerating. And you've seen this for qu multiple quarters now that the leading players here, Amazon and Microsoft, have seen their cloud business uh, decelerate by like, yeah, I don't know, 50% down to like the 20s or the teens. And what's going to reaccelerate growth across the sector? Yeah, so there's deceleration in the parts of the sector that are actually growing and other things are not growing. So the first quarter is not going to be that great. But again, the street seems to be looking past that and anticipating better times ahead. But we'll see. Well, what's going to drive that? Because the rest of the world is expecting a recession ahead. Well, yes. So that's there. Uh, there's the rub, right? Is is Correct. Uh, uh, is is will uh, anticipation of um, if if the market is correct in anticipating um, uh, interest rate stability or declines in core and you know by say by the end of the year, is that enough to to generate uh, a better performance by um, better fundamental performance by these companies? I don't know. I mean, I it, it might you might get you might get better stock market performance, whether you get better fundamental performance, I don't know. And it does well, ultimately, feel like a no, lot of discounted at this point. Ultimately, they have to be aligned because you can't go forever with better market performance. Not forever, no. Right. Unless you true. have better fundamentals. That is absolutely true. So what are some of the big themes you'll be watching for in first quarter earnings? Sure. So I think there's a few things. Uh, so one, as I mentioned, is cloud computing. And you know, I, this has been, this is a potentially multi 
you know, in the long run, you know, this could be a trillion dollar business opportunity. And, um, and it happens to involve uh, some of the largest tech com companies on earth, right? Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet uh, with Google Cloud and even Oracle, uh, which is a kind of a comer here in this, in this space. Um, and, you know, so I, I think the question is, um, there, there's some concern that they'll disappoint again this quarter that, um, you know, they're, I mean, you think about who their end customers are, they're everybody, right? They're all the large, all, all kinds of large companies. And as people pull back, it's the nature of cloud computing. It is, by the way, it is a, it's like to say a feature, not a bug that cloud computing can be turned like a dial and use more or less, depending on how your underlying customer's business is doing. So I think that's one concern. Um, another another uh, clear topic of discussion in these this coming quarter's earnings will be, uh, again, it's the year of efficiency. So uh, first of all, are we gonna see like yet another round of job cuts, um, office uh, shutdowns, um, other moves to try and reduce spending. You might also see, um, uh, let's say, the shutdown of some uh, far out projects. It's sort of interesting that in Meta's case, for example, they are talking less and less about the metaverse. Um, so are they going to change their name back to Facebook soon? Maybe, or uh, or something else. I don't know. Uh, but but I think it's telling that. The metaverse, which you know Zuckerberg has basically described as like a great story for 2030, um, is not something that the street really cares about right now because profitability is so far away. And so they would rather him just spend his less, like less and less on that. And I think that that, that kind of theme will run through all of the results. Now there'll be a, a few other things. I think um, obviously people will still be talking about. Uh, the macro economy, and there's going to be a lot of focus on guidance, as there always is. But I think there's sort of a special import this time because it will give us some clues to the larger economy. What are these companies, particularly the enterprise companies, seeing from their customers um, as we go into the second half um, of the year? And I, I think it's um, uh, it, it's not clear. I mean, the street seems to be convinced that it's going to get better, but we'll see if the, if the companies agree. Now, there's another thing that we'll hear incessantly this time around, and you can probably guess it's going to be artificial intelligence, right? Ah. Um, everyone is talking about AI. Um, you know, Microsoft is certainly going to be talking about AI. You can be sure that Alphabet's going to be talking about it. And Mark couldn't stop talking about it last quarter. So like Meta will be talking about it. Now in Meta's case, it's interesting because at this point, artificial intelligence in the case of Meta is, is kind of a hidden element of the experience on their platforms, which of course include Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp, but particularly in Facebook and Instagram, they use AI to help you uh, basically to, to target uh, content to you. Like that's what that basically boils down to, right? So, so, um, I, so, and also to target advertising, right? So we'll hear more about what Meta's planning. They, I think they're gonna do some new things there and maybe Mark will give some hints um, on their call about that. NVIDIA, of course, now they're, a, they're not, they're a, like a, they have a different year end. So we won't hear about them in the next few weeks, but NVIDIA um, in their most recent earnings quarter, 
um, couldn't stop talking about AI. Uh, we'll hear more about that. Tesla, of course, basically is an AI application, right? I mean, autonomous driving is basically an application of AI. Right. Let me ask you, going, going back to Meta. I'm sorry, Ellen. Going back to Meta for a minute, do you have a current view on the stock? Boy, you know, I wrote a fairly bearish story about them uh, last year, uh, maybe a year ago now, maybe a longer than that. I've lost track of time, um, which played out well. And then they turned, you know, they've, they've turned on a dime, right? The stock has doubled off the bottom, more than doubled off the bottom, um, on, largely on the cost cutting. You know, I think the wild card on Meta is what happens with TikTok. I, I lost you there for a minute. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, so the, the wild card on Meta is going to be what happens with TikTok. Right, I mean, right. If there's ah. really a TikTok ban, um, I think the stock is going to, you know, uh, is going to spike again. Um, I, I feel like at this point, the stock has moved so much that a lot of the upside is is now built into the stock price. Um, you know, we've had a, you know, more than a triple digit move here. It's like a been a huge run. Um, and there are still risks. I mean, you know, they have not really solved the Apple um, you know, privacy uh, program problem where they're, they're, it makes it harder for them to target. If TikTok isn't banned, um, or in fact, if TikTok is acquired by some sort of U.S. buyer. Um, it's a tough one for Meta. It's a tough one for Meta. They, and, you know, and by the way, like, I mean, we can talk about TikTok in a moment, but um, it is true that like the last company on earth that's going to get to buy TikTok is Meta, right? Right. Like, so, so, so that would pose all kinds of uh, regulatory problems that, that are unsolvable. And so Meta still has issues. The, the stock has become much more popular on the street. There have been like a whole series of analyst upgrades. And it was so it was so severely depressed as well. Yes, it was. It was really depressed, and there was an argument that. The stock had become much, much cheaper, for example, than Alphabet. I think the flip side is now true. We can talk about that if you like. Right. Uh, and we I, are going to get that. That is challenging here as a stock. I'm not sure I would go whole hog on that. All right. So you've mentioned just about everything I want to talk about <laughs> for the rest of the call, but you didn't mention one thing. And then we'll get back to those other things. And that is Apple. Apple yep. is expected to raise its dividend and expand its stock buyback program when it reports fiscal second quarter results. Yep. But the results themselves are going to be pretty meh. So yeah. what is ailing Apple and how can the company reinvigorate itself? Okay. So there's a lot of moving parts here. So first, let's talk about the dividend and share buyback uh, thing, okay. which uh, I wrote about a few days ago. And, um, you know, Apple's uh, Apple has a historic pattern of increasing its dividend and raising uh, and, and updating the street on its stock repurchase plans when it reports March quarter earnings. Why? I'm not sure why, but they've been doing it every year for at least the last 10 years. Um, so I think it's fair to say they will almost certainly increase the dividend. You know, this is not a big dividend stock, by the way. This is like, you know, they pay like, I don't know, half a percent. Yeah, and they pay under a dollar. Yeah, so it's not that much, but they are, they're going to increase the dividend almost certainly. And they will, again, almost certainly, again, announce a new stock repurchase plan. And what's interesting about that is, you know, back in like, I think it was 2017 or 2018, uh, the company announced that um, uh, it was going to make a determined effort to reach uh, zero uh, net cash, 
right? So to be cash neutral, uh, they at that point had, I don't know, over $200 billion in cash um, or like 160 billion, I think they peaked roughly a net cash, which is unbelievable. And they've been buying buying stock back at like a ferocious rate for quarter after quarter after quarter. And they have succeeded in reducing their net cash position by about two thirds. So they're down to around 50 or 60 billion. But in have, they re, have, have they reduced their share count or are they simply issuing shares? No, so they've reduced their okay. share count by about a quarter. So okay. yeah, so so it's meaningfully reduced share count. And it's of course, a legitimate buyback yeah. here. Yes, so it's a real buyback. This is not just about replacing, um, you know, kind of trying to- uh, Issue, uh, newly issued shares. Right, right. Yeah. Now the question of course is like, I think this is more of a long-term question. I suspect, and by the way, let's keep in mind, they generate gobs of cash, right? So I don't know what the actual number will be this year, but let's say they generate 30, $40 billion in free cash. Like they're offsetting a large chunk of the, uh, of what they're, they're spending on repurchases by generating more cash. So it goes down slowly, but determinedly. And the interesting question is, um, what happens as they get closer to their goal to their stock repurchase program because right. it's a real boost of the stock. Right. And uh, we're not there yet. We're still a couple of years away, but I brought it up in this story because I thought it was interesting. Well, anyway, so that's one element of this quarter. So now one, let's talk about the business though. Yeah, so this is not going to be a great quarter. Um, you know, the street's looking for like minus 4% on the top line. Um, and there's a few things going on. One is they had really uh, tough comparisons from a year ago in Macs and iPads. And the company said last quarter, uh, Lupa Maestri, the uh, CFO, said on the, the core, uh, call for the, the December quarter that they were going to have double digit year over year declines in both areas uh, because the, the comparisons were so difficult. Now, the other thing is their services business um, is, which has become a substantial, uh, substantially important part of the Apple story is going to be affected in part by softer advertising revenue. You know, we, we're not in a great advertising environment um, and also uh, kind of a soft gaming market. So like that also affects them, particularly in the app store. So there's some other offsets. And then on the iPhone, um, so iPhone, I think the one thing that will happen this quarter is they will have a much better quarter for iPhone than they did in December, because in the December quarter, uh, you might uh, remember, they had some serious production problems. Right. Uh, they were related to COVID shutdowns of factories in China, and basically they couldn't produce enough high-end iPhone 14. So I think that this time around, iPhone production will be a lot better. Um, and so that should be something of an offset, but you're still talking about a company that like this year, if you buy the street consensus is going to be flat to down a percent of the top line. So you need something new, right? You need something big and shiny and new. Now, as it happens, um, a month after Apple reports earnings, we will get uh, the 2023 edition of the annual extravaganza known as the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference. <laughs> um, and Apple uses it, right? Uh, WWDC, they've been doing it for many, many years. Uh, they're actually doing it live uh, this year, um, nice. uh, not just virtually. <clears throat> but of course, anybody can listen to the um, 
the uh, uh, keynote, which is always the big event of WWDC. And I would encourage people to listen to it. It's always interesting. They will generally use that event to talk about some new things, mostly focused on software. But I think in this case, um, all all uh, of the street will be listening for a couple of things. One is we have been talking for what feels like forever about Apple's plans to develop um, like virtual reality or perhaps augmented reality glasses or goggles. And like that, so that they're going to move into the AR and VR business. Maybe we're going to get a peek at this um, at WWDC. A lot of analysts think they're going to use this moment to unveil their plans here. Now, it comes at a weird time for this market because other players in the, this virtual reality metaverse kind of world have actually been cutting back, right? Meta itself has kind of stopped talking about it for the most part. They've reduced spending plans. <clears throat> Microsoft is kind of backing away from this. Like there's this sort of sense that, um, this is an awkward time to be jumping into a market that is not really so far taken off, but we'll see. Um, but they could use another big win. And then the next thing that will happen, um, I think a you know, major consequence will be the iPhone 15 product cycle, which is coming. Typically that gets announced in the fall. So that's a little further out, but you know, there's, there's a need for Apple to do something big. Now the, I'll give you the wild card here is, do they give any new hints on cars? Now, people have been speculating about Apple doing cars for what seems like a decade, right? Like, we've, And there's no question that there is something going on. Um, and last year at, at WWDC, Apple showed off a new version of CarPlay, which, as you know, is the application that lets you... Um, uh, Right, is sync yeah. your sync your phone. Yeah, your use car. your phone in the car, right? So um, uh, to do all kinds of things, like music and talk on the phone or whatever. But the new version that they showed off last quarter, which is just like a sneak peek, basically, um, allows you allows um, CarPlay to take over like the instrument cluster. So like, it's like creeping. It's taking over more real estate. Um, it's it's absorbing more parts of the car. Um, if they, that's a kind of interesting clue that their ambitions are bigger, um, that they want more of the car story than they have now, maybe we'll get some hints at, at that. But like the bottom line is, I think, you know, Apple needs some new sources of growth. And so maybe we'll get some hints of that. The stock has done well. It's still by far the most valuable stock in the U.S. stock market. Um, I don't know, $2.6 trillion or something like that. And Warren Buffett owns a lot of it. And Warren owns a lot of it, which is, you know, doesn't hurt uh, the stock. But, um, you know, it's uh, uh, it, it's it, the evaluation is lofty. As you say, there's not much growth right now. So, you know, we could use a little bit of a, we could use some juice. Um, right. Maybe we'll get that from WWE. For sure. So we had a question from Gabriel that was interesting. He notes that analysts have recently been discussing the idea of Apple buying Disney. Neither company has hinted at such a plan. Could you comment on that idea? Okay. So I have to tell you, um, I once wrote a column for another publication um, uh, making fun of like 
magazine headlines or newspaper headlines of the variety, Apple should buy fill in the blank. And right. like over time, Apple should find fill in the blank has included so many things um, and they'd never play out, right? Apple is a an acquisition averse business generally. They, I think the largest deal they ever did was the uh, Beats um, headphone company, which was $2 billion or $3 billion, something like that. Like they just don't do big deals. And, you know, the, the, the notion of Apple buying Disney is one that's been kicking around for years. And it, you know, dates back to the fact that, you know, um, uh, Steve Jobs uh, started Pixar when, 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 he sold Pixar to Disney. Jobs became one of the largest shareholders in Disney. And then, which now like Lauren uh, John, uh, Powell Jobs um, has, um, uh, his, his widow has that position. And so there's always been a tight kind of connection between the two companies. But the probabilities of that, I think, are pretty close to zero. I just don't, I just don't see... Apple deciding, first of all, by the way, like, let's keep in mind, Disney has a market cap of $180 billion. Like, the odds it's, of it's, Apple, it's not a mere morsel to, to buy it's it It's not a mere morsel. And I just don't see it. I mean, I, I just don't believe it. And miracles happen, right? But <laughs> okay, you know, it's Passover. Um, miracles happen. But that miracle, I, I think, um, is, is, not, is unlikely to happen. I don't think so. Got it. Okay. We had a question from James your thoughts on Microsoft? Well, so um, short term, they have some issues, right? As I mentioned, like the slower growth in, in Azure, their cloud business, um, the, the, the weakness in the PC market affects their Windows business and Office and those kinds of things. Um, however, um, nobody, I would argue, is uh, better positioned for the emergence of the AI era than Microsoft. Microsoft, of course, owns, I think, basically most of OpenAI, which is you know, the creator of ChatGBT. So they have a big position in, in OpenAI. They have a very close working relationship. They've launched um, AI functionality, not just in Bing, but in Office and in security apps and in some of their enterprise apps. And some of it is very powerful. Like if you watch the demo of what they've done uh, to uh, add AI features to Office, it's revolutionary. It makes everything easier to use. You don't have to be an Excel expert anymore or a PowerPoint expert. You just tell it what you want. And it's, it is like magical. It's, 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 it's really impressive. I think Satya Nadella is a fantastic CEO who's really, he just completely reinvigorated the company. I'm a big believer in, in Microsoft and, you know, their quarter might not be that great, but like, I, I still think um, the long-term story here is as bright for Microsoft as any company in, in software. Well, that's the first note of true optimism I've heard from you today. Yeah, you know, once in a while. Okay, so moving on to Amazon, Sanjay asks, what is your outlook on Amazon for the immediate term and the longer term? Okay, so um, Amazon has a some of the same dynamic here as Microsoft. So again, in the short run, like AWS, there's some risk that they're going to disappoint this quarter. Um, they're still struggling in the their core retail business um, because the consumer is 
it's kind of not you know super strong right consumer spending is, has been remains uh, weak and um you know if we have a real recession it seems unlikely that that will be a really strong behaving um you know, business however um i would also argue that um aws remains the premier company in in cloud computing and that is likely to remain the case for a long time uh where does what else what takes place in, in the cloud by the way artificial intelligence software so like they're a actual kind of a sneaky play on ai um they they've been doing all kinds of interesting things um um there you know they they will benefit from things like that, that are non-intuitive so you think about like autonomous driving requires a lot of cloud computing like this doesn't all take place inside your car you need to be connected uh, connected cars benefit AWS. I think Amazon is um, has a fantastic long-term story. I've written about this like fairly consistently in the magazine, and I'm still a believer in Amazon. They had a rough year last year. You know, retailing was in trouble. AWS slowed down. They had overhired in a dramatic fashion, and they've they've been cutting heads too. Like it's not just um, you know I keep joking about Meta and the Bureau of Efficiency, but um, Amazon has also been reducing headcounts and, um, you know, they, they have a few other problems like, you know, Lena Khan, the head of the FTC seems to hate them. She said that would be a big problem. Yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, they're like, there's, they're getting challenged on their, um, you know, they've, they have a pending acquisition for iRobot, you know, which makes the Roomba uh, vacuum cleaners, the uh, robotic vacuum cleaners, which for some reason has regulators concerns that I'm not sure I understand what that, why that is a problem. Um, I don't know if they think that the room is going to spy on people. It's a um, listening or, device. Or they're, yeah, or they're cornering the market in robotic vacuum cleaners. They don't do corners very well. Oh my God. Uh, but anyway, so they do have some of that aspect and, you know, there is uh, some early um, effort by the FTC, by the way, to begin, they've just launched, they're not calling it an investigation, like an inquiry or something um, into the cloud computing market um, where they worry about concentration of um, providers and they worry about like whether there's, um, you know, they're, they're using their position to get companies to buy more things from them. That's a tying kind of thing, which once became up in, um, in Microsoft's antitrust case. So it's very early there. So they do have some of those things and it is as, as implied by what I was saying before, really hard for them to make acquisitions now, um, which has always been part of their strategy. But I am a big believer in AWS in the long run. I think AWS is probably worth more than the current market cap of Amazon. Um, I've written about that before. And so I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm pretty bullish on Amazon. It's a fascinating situation, like so many of these tech companies oh my gosh, after, yeah, sure. after so many years of growth. So switching to a different segment of the tech industry, Gabriel asks, can you comment on Perion Networks and Palo Alto? Both seem attractive and have also experienced amazing growth over many years. What are the risks? Is the market overvaluing them at current levels? Yeah. And yeah. These, are, these are security companies, correct? Yeah. Well, Perion is a little different. It's, a, it's not a company I know super well. It's a um, kind of small cap kind of, uh, digital advertising play, actually. Uh, but Palo Alto Networks, um, you know, was one of the major players in um, 
um, in security software. Um, they have been a fantastic story. They've, um, you know, they're, uh, I think they're in a part of the market that is going to be, I won't say entirely, let's not call it a recession proof, but recession resistant. Um, you know, I a think growing part of the market, a growing part of the market, the demand there's, there's, is insatiable. yes, like the need for security software is simply never going away. It's not a problem that will ever be like, you know, making air quotes solved, right? There's always a new problem. And we've seen like just in the last few months, like a whole series of companies announce, um, hack attacks or all kinds of security issues. I think Peloton networks is. Um, is going to do just fine. And, you know, there's some others um, in that space that will, you know, will also do well. There's been a little bit of a kerfuffle uh, the last couple of days related to CrowdStrike, which is another company in the um, general uh, sector. And it's funny because they did a an analyst update yesterday, the day before yesterday, actually. Um, and uh, that seemed generally upbeat. But they also talked about their competitive position with Microsoft. And I think nothing scares uh, software companies uh, or investors in software companies more than the prospect of having to compete with Microsoft. Um, so I, I think there's, uh, there's a little bit of uh, uh, concern about that. And we have seen this as a problem for some other companies, right? Zoom has been hurt by that. Slack was hurt by that. Um, competing with Microsoft is no fun. Um, but I think in general, the outlook for security is um, is pretty strong. I, mean, I think th it seems like an area where if you want to invest in security, taking kind of a basket approach and buying, you know, half a dozen of the larger players might be a good way to go. All right. That sounds that sounds good. I'm glad that Gabriel asked the question. Now, we have about two minutes left, and I want to ask you about the threat to Micron from China. China is investigating Micron technology for cybersecurity risks. This is in apparent retaliation against U.S. and allied moves to block Chinese access to our chips. Can you tell me very quickly, Eric, what is at the heart of this and how serious a threat is it for Microsoft? Yes. So um, let's shoot it in two pieces, right? So one is, why would you pick on? Micron is a kind of an interesting target to choose because Micron makes memory chips of two varieties. They make DRAM and they make flash memory. And the two kinds of chips together are used in basically every kind of device you can possibly imagine. You can't make an electronic device without, um, without memory chips. And um, there just seems to be, like the idea that they're a security threat is, to me at least seems a little bit laughable. Like I just don't, I don't think that's logical, but I, I think what it does show is um, and, and because, by the way, and because those chips, you know, they're obviously not, you know, they're not the only player here. There are other players in the, in the memory chip market. Um, Samsung, for instance, is a major player there. Um, and there are a few others, but the, um, it, it, it's there, these chips are in everything. And so, um, and there are some nascent, uh, players in the memory chip market in China. And you could argue that China is trying to, you know, bolster its own internal, um, business, but I think this is more a political statement. I think this is, it is no coincidence that we're having this discussion about Micron in China at the same time that Congress is debating whether to ban TikTok. And, you know, I think there's a real risk of like tit for tat kind of um, attacks 
back from China, it's like you ban TikTok, we're going to ban, um, you know, Micron or, or other things, right? I mean, so think about Apple. I mean, Apple's, uh, for Apple, China is a huge market and a huge source of product. I mean, if, if China decided to somehow punish the U.S. for its actions involving TikTok, nothing would be uh, off the table. Nothing would be off the table, including like deciding, yeah, we're not going to let you sell iPhones or something. I, I don't know. All I right. Mean, let's not go there until we need to. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, the, but the point, the larger point is this is certainly bad for Micron. You know, they get, I don't know, I've seen figures in the range of 10% or so of their revenue comes from companies in China, but some of it is indirect. So it's maybe actually a little higher exposure. Um, so it's a real, you know, it's, it's not a, it's it's and it comes at a rough time for Micron because, you know, Micron just reported earnings that were really really alarming, right? And and not for anything fault of their own, really. Like their last quarter revenues were down fifty three percent year over year, and that was the, that was because of two things: the the really weak PC and handset market, and then also a lot of their customers were over inventoried and so stopped buying for a while. That's no reflection on the outlook for. For the uh, for the membership market, but um, the China thing is they kind of didn't need right now. But I think it's more about the geopolitical situation than anything. And about. less about Micron. Yeah. All right, we will leave it there today. Great conversation. Thank you for all these insights. Tomorrow, tomorrow on Barron's Live, we'll be examining how to expand your living quarters and your home's value without trading up in a hot housing market. Our colleagues at Mansion Global. We'll speak with Matt Robinson and Grant Ludwig, managing partners at the agency in Bend, Oregon, about adding guest homes, pool houses, and other accessory buildings with less hassle. One more note about tomorrow. The U.S. stock market will be closed for Good Friday. The bond market will be open until noon. But at 8.30 in the morning Eastern time, the government will release the non-farm payrolls report for March. The jobs report is a key economic indicator, and it's one that the Federal Reserve watches closely. I'll be discussing the jobs numbers and the market's delayed response on Barron's Live on Monday with my colleague, Ben Levison. We hope you'll tune in to Friday's call and to Monday's. Until then, everyone, thank you for tuning in today. Stay well and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.